it's interesting when people come together and they begin to dream together what can come out of a dream. We got together about two years ago. Max invited me out and said, hey, you want to do lunch at Maggiano's? I'm like, I'm not turning down lunch at Maggiano's. I don't care who asks. And we met and we sat down and we had a conversation. And he said, you know what? We've been watching what's been happening there in Fredericksburg and we've been seeing what's happening. And he said, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been speaking in my heart about something. And he said, would you be willing to dream with me? And I said, let's go, coach, because I call him coach. I said, let's go. He said, he said, I believe that it's time for the Fredericksburg campus. It's time to grow up, and it's time to get ready to be launched to become your own campus. And he said, Jimmy, I think you're the guy to lead it. And he said, what do you think about that? And my answer was, when do we start? And that began a journey two years ago. But before we jump into all of that, I've got to show you some things. First of all, introduce my own self. I'm Jimmy Pruitt, the lead minister there at Oak Hill. has been there a little over three and a half years. We moved from Nashville, Tennessee to Fredericksburg, Texas. Yes, a little bit of culture shock. And we came, I used to work for Dave Ramsey, had a great time there, a great season there. I was a kid in the candy store as a musician living in Nashville. And then we moved to Fredericksburg and to, and lo and behold, we already had an awesome dynamic worship team there that was killing it. And it was like, I'm right at home, right where I'm supposed to be. Three and a half years ago. And then we were here and for a little bit of time, we were saying, okay, what is this like being a part of a multi-site church? We'd never been involved in that kind of church before, so it was a very different thing. But we knew we were called to be here, and the way we knew that was because of the middle girl that you see on the screen right there. That's my daughter, Faith. That's our youngest. So let me introduce everybody. First of all, if you look to, I guess it would be your right, your left, your left. Okay, I'm completely turned around. To your left, that's my son, Chris. He's a senior pastor down in Houston, Texas, in Pearland area at a church called City Life Church. Next to him is my oldest daughter, Alicia. She runs a bank down in Nashville, Tennessee. So we moved back here to Texas. She said, I love Nashville. I'm not going anywhere. So she stayed there. And then uh, you'll skip my middle daughter. And you'll see, or my youngest there, and you'll see the light of my life, Annette, my way better half. And she's with us right here. Wave Annette. Everybody welcome Annette here tonight. And then that other guy, you know, he's there. He's, he's in the mix. But my, my middle daughter there, the one that was in the middle, my youngest, we did what any ministry family should do. We turned to our children and said, what do you think? <laughs> Are we supposed to move from Nashville to Fredericksburg, Texas? Or we also had an opportunity in Austin with a church. At the same time, same scenario, and we could have gone either way. And she said, I believe we're supposed to go to Fredericksburg, Texas. And we said, we're going to Fredericksburg, Texas. And so we've never looked back since we set foot on that soil. And God has been doing amazing things. You'll hear a little bit about that tonight. I want to share with you a little bit about the Harvest Vision. Because for me, it's not just the Harvest Vision. It's the Harvest Vision Mandate. I'm not talking about two dudes getting together and hanging out, okay? That's not what a mandate is. I'm talking about a commission. It is a command to us. And two years ago, when it first came up, we had this conversation. And then a year ago, when Max rolled out the Harvest Vision uh, message last year, I grabbed hold of that like somebody grabbing a rib bone on the 4th of July. You know what I'm saying? I grabbed hold of that and I wasn't going to let go. And I said, we're going we're gonna to run this out because we believe this is the word of the Lord. 
I did a frequently asked questions message a few uh, weeks ago, and it was kind of a vision message saying, this is the harvest vision. And, and the first frequently asked question, I said, whose idea was this anyway? Because that is what everyone's asking. Is whose idea? It wasn't Max's idea. It wasn't Jimmy's idea. It wasn't Travis's idea. It wasn't Mario Gallegos, who did a great job last week, by the way. And shout out to Journey Fellowship. Love what God's doing there with those guys. But it was, the, it was the voice of God speaking to all of us that this is the path we're to take. And so that's what we've been doing for the last two and a half years. I have to give a shout out to Fredericksburg, of course, because Fredericksburg, you just thought we wouldn't have any more videos. So you've got one more. This is it. So, uh, so they don't know that's coming tomorrow, but thank you for humoring me on that. So the Harvest Vision. And on August 25th, we're going to do our launch celebration. Max is going to be with us in both of our services there. And this little group of people, this little group that got together 10 years ago this spring, started meeting in a living room, and they were folks that had been part of this church fellowship and this church family, and they got tired of driving from Fredericksburg, where they had moved all the way over here to go to church. And so they begin to say, why can't we have an Oak Hills expression in Fredericksburg? And that's how this thing began to roll out. And so they began to knock on the door, sort of like the persistent widow or the friend that wouldn't go away in the scriptures, where they just knocked and knocked and knocked and wouldn't take no for an answer. And you know, the plan then was not to actually do any church multi-site sites outside of the 1604 corridor. So they were trying to keep everything here, and yet here's this, this little group of people in Fredericksburg who would not go away. So Doyle Jennings and his wife and Rick Nicosia and Dan Pratt were elders who at that time, not all of them, in fact Rick wasn't at the time, said, you know, go down there and check out what's going on. And they came back and gave the word and said, I think these people are serious. I don't think they're going to go away. And that little group of people became known as the group or the church that wouldn't go away. And you know what? That stubbornness, that tenacity, that determination is still in the DNA of who we are as a people. And that started with a little handful of people. Guess what? They moved to a bigger venue. Guess what it was? It was a funeral parlor. And let me just say something. I don't believe that was prophetic for where we're going, at least not anytime soon. And then they moved to a place that was a venue that you may have heard of if you've ever been to Fredericksburg called the Rock Box. And that was a place where they could spread out and that's when Russ and Wendy Hearn joined the team as the worship leaders and they continue to do a phenomenal job. In fact, Russ and Wendy are with us tonight and so glad to have them here. And they began to lead the worship and God began to move and begin to build the team together. Tonight we're going to talk about this, the harvest vision, but what does it look like for you? To me... It looks like putting the go in the gospel. Putting the go back into the gospel. So we have a lot of folks that have forgot what it means to go. In fact, there are some of you sitting here tonight where God has given you a dream. God has given you ideas, not just good ideas. He's given you God ideas that at one time you couldn't even go to sleep because of the God idea that was in your heart. There was a time when you woke up thinking about it. You went to bed thinking about it. You woke up at 3.12 every morning for a week thinking about this God idea, this dream that he put in your heart. And then guess what happens? Life happens. Time happens. Distractions happen. The wheels fall off. The refrigerator breaks. The transmission goes out. Life happens. Kids spin out. Life happens. 
9-11 happens. World events happen. And that dream gets buried. It gets stuffed. It gets pushed back. Well, I'm here tonight to call those dreams back to the surface. Because putting the go in the gospel means that get, we get back on board with God's mission for our life. Not only God's mission for our church and for the kingdom, but God's mission, God's, dare I say it, mandate for you. Putting the go back into the gospel. I want to share something with you out of uh, what is the gospel anyway? What is the gospel? Let me give you just three quick things. The gospel is good news, and you need to understand that it's not bad news. The gospel is not so-so news. Well, take it or leave it. No, no, no. The gospel is good news. It's not just okay news. It is good news. Can I get an amen from a Saturday night crowd? Amen. amen. The Apostle Paul, by the way, that word apostle, you know what that means? Alan Hirsch defines apostle as missionary because the word literally means sent one. The Apostle Paul was an apostle not just as a leader, he was apostle because he was a sent one. And we talk about the apostolic mandate of the Great Commission. We're talking about those who are sent to put the go back in the gospel. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 1.27, which by the way is one of my life verses, that the good news is this. It was a mystery that had been hidden. It says, it is the mystery that has been hidden and is now revealed. And here's the mystery, which is Christ in, and I added this because it's the same word. It's a present participle, which makes a big difference. And not only is he in you, he is through you to live his life through you, to live out the Great Commission, to live out the Sermon on the Mount, to live out the gospel in you and through you. In fact, he is the hope of glory. If you break that down in the original language, it literally says this, which is Christ in and through you. Hope, that means joyful and confident expectation of a desired good. That's what it means in the Koine Greek. And so his, his hope is not wishful thinking, it is confident and joyful expectation. Takes it out of the old Sears wish book, amen? Hope of glory, what is glory? The glory is God's manifest presence. So let's read it like it actually says. The mystery has been hidden and is now being revealed, which is Christ in and through you. The joyful and confident expectation of God's manifest presence. Do you see why that's my life verse? And then the last thing, Dr. Rice Brooks, he writes this in regard to what the gospel is. If you look at the screen, what is the gospel? Gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life. We should have lived and died the death. We should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he's the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes in him. The good news, the gospel is what drives the harvest vision. Why launch churches that have been together and working together and seeming to be doing pretty well? Why launch them out? Why birth them? Why cut the cord, so to speak? It's because those churches begin to grow up and they begin to take on identities of their own and they were in various contexts. You know, it's a little different from Alamo Ranch all the way over to Selma Shirts. There's a different culture in each of those areas. And as these churches begin to minister within their context, not even mentioning Fredericksburg, what we found out that one size did not fit all. And we begin to realize 
For these churches to really begin to explore the capacity that they have, these campuses, they needed to be launched and released so they could fulfill their potential in the kingdom. And I have to say, this is a big thank you to Oak Hills Church and to our leadership. To Randy Frazee, who actually began talking about getting outside the box and taking it to the streets and taking it to neighborhoods and taking it to the community. Thank the Lord for Randy's input into our lives in that and just, hey, get out of the church and do something. And then Max stepping back into leadership and then the Lord downloading him saying, saying to Max one morning in prayer, you don't have one successor, you have six successors. And then each of us wrestling with our own calls to say, are we called to be a part of this? And all but one coming back saying, we're in the gospel. Good news. As you go, I want to just talk to you about this. First of all, we have to understand something. A lot of us want orders. We want a mandate. We want a commission before we go. But it's interesting that there is precedent in the scripture that it is actually as you go that the power comes. What dream has God put in your heart? We know our dream, and that is to launch Fredericksburg and to become everything God intends it to be. And we know we have a clear path, we have a clear strategy, and we're working that plan and that strategy. We understand that. But what has God called you to do? What, how has God called you to put the go back into the good news, the gospel? So listen to this out of Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And this we call not just the Great Commission, and you've probably heard that before. We call it the apostolic mandate. Because we believe this is a command from God to go on mission. And not only go, but to live a life on mission. Matthew 28, if you look at the screen. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Just a very quick, very rudimentary Greek lesson here in the Koine language. It literally says this. It doesn't just say, therefore, go and make disciples. It says this. As you are going, disciple the nations. That's what it literally says. As you are going, disciple the nations. Interesting. That the scripture tells us that we are to be going, and as we're going, we're to be making disciples everywhere we go. Would you say amen to that? It's not as we're sitting. It's not as we're doing Bible study. It's not as we're in prayer in our shower. It is literally as we are going where we live, where we work, and where we play. Everywhere we go, we take Jesus, the presence of him, and we are filled with him so much so that everywhere we go, we leak out. Why? Because we're leaky vessels. Amen? Because we're holy. I know. I tried that last week. I nearly got booed out of the, out of the, out of the auditorium. Therefore, as you are going, disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. We baptized several people this last week, or last month, and we baptized more. It's interesting because the people we're beginning to baptize don't look like they used to. They don't look like they came from the church down the street. In fact, God has given us a commission to put the go in the gospel right in our own community. It's exciting to go other places, but you know what? God has given you your own mission field right where you are. The harvest vision mandate is right in front of you.
Don't think in terms of, well, that's great because somebody's going to go on a short-term mission down to Brazil or somebody's going to go somewhere else. Listen, it is right in front of you. Your mission field is where you live. It is where you work and it is where you play. You are on mission. As you are going, disciple the nations. As you are going in your everyday life, making the most of him. Listen to this in the next verse. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. That word is dunamis. We get the word dynamite out of it. It literally means power that's explosive in nature. And get this church, this is Bible. It means power for working miracles. Did you know you're packing heat? <laughs> Do you know, you're not like Barney Five who has one bullet in his pocket. I'm saying you, I just lost most of the people in here. You are packing heat. Listen to this. You will receive dunamis power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses right in Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem when he said this. And in all Judea and you know what Samaria was to them? It was the other side of the tracks. Samaria to them were those dirty, rotten, nasty Gentiles that they were have nothing to do with. He said, you're going to Samaria. He was commissioning them to go to places they had not planned to go. Not only Samaria, but to even to the ends of the earth. And I have to say something. God puts the Holy Spirit in you for you. Would you say amen to that? But he places the Holy Spirit upon you for them. He wants to immerse you into who he is. So that you are packing heat within and without. You are covered in him. It's almost like that scene from the greatest movie ever, Ghostbusters, where Bill Murray gets slimed and he's laying there in slime and he raises up and says, he slimed me. We're called to go everywhere. We live, work, and play and so full of Jesus inside, so covered on the outside that everybody we come in contact with is touched. And some people won't even know what hit them. As you are going, just to put all that together, as you are going, you'll receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses of the good news of Jesus. Austin and Kate McIntosh have been on staff with me for three and a half years. Austin has been our student minister at Oak Hills. We went to the same college together. We have a lot of t touch points together. We have a lot of laughs together about our old school days. But Austin has been working with our students. And about a year ago, we had a conversation in my office where I said, Austin, I think God's doing something different with you. He was raised, by the way, half of his life on the mission field. I said, I think you're out of your lane. You're amazing, but I'm telling you, you're not a youth, youth minister. You're a missionary. And you need to begin praying about what God would have for you. And we begin talking about it. He actually put out his resume. I was number one re reference on his resume. And we had great interviews. I had pastors calling me from all over going, yeah, this guy's great. He sounds great. He is great. You... Nothing worked out. I finally sat down with him. I said, you, you know why this isn't working out locally? It's because these are all lateral moves. You're not supposed to. You're a missionary. You're called to the nations, not just the nation. And I said, I think you need to step out. Wasn't much longer. He came and talked to me. He said, I just was introduced to a pastor. His name's Brian Agnew in Lisburn, Northern Ireland. I said, now you're talking. And he said, they need a student minister, a youth pastor. 
They don't have one, but they can't afford to pay one. He said, I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm called to go there, raise my own support, and go be their youth pastor. I said, that sounds like a God idea. Because that is so big that unless God shows up, this will be a colossal failure. You know, most of the things that God calls us to, yes, there's everyday things. We're faithful in the everyday. But there are things that as we step out and go, we receive power, we receive direction, and we receive the commission, the apostolic mandate to go and do. So, I begin to help him. We begin to talk about it. We begin to dream. Annette and I were actually on vacation in Europe, and we went over to and met with Pastor Brian and his family there in Lisbon, and we were like, this is such a God thing. We have a new partnership now in Europe that we didn't have before. This is supposed to happen. Did you know that in two and a half months, Austin has raised all of the support he is fully funded and they're leaving in two days to go to Lisburn, Northern Ireland. Yes. What is that? That's somebody who made up their mind that they're going to put the go back in the gospel, step out of the boat and see what happens and God showed up. It's like walking the plank wondering if there will be anything under you. They stepped out. God showed up. They're fully funded. Oh, and in the middle of all that, after they had made a commitment to go, uh, Kate found out she's pregnant with triplets. <laughs> Their family's going from three to six kids, eight total. So then we had another conversation. <laughs> I said, Austin, do you believe the same God that called you to go to Lisburn and ordered your steps that way knew y'all were going to get pregnant with triplets? What are the odds of that? No, no help. I'm just saying. This is a miracle. And they're healthy. And he said, yes. I said, so do you think God's changed his mind because your circumstances has changed? He said, no. That was two and a half months ago. And they went all in and all their supports raised. I'm telling you, God is big. And he gives you a God idea. You step out in it. I'm telling you, you will be met with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one who provides Putting the go in gospel. Listen to this. Isaiah 30, 21. I love this. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whether you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. But it is as you are going that you hear the word behind you. Psalm 37, 23. I love this in the New Living Translation. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Did you know God is taking pleasure in your details? Oh, you used to hear this, right? The devil's in the details. You do know it's a lie from the pit. God's in the details. And he's taking delight in the details of your life. Can you imagine if you shift your thinking toward that and begin to say, Lord, thank you that you are delighting in the details. You're ordering my steps. You're working things out. I can trust you. You brought me this far. You're going to get me there. I want you to know something. Your dream may be buried, but it is not gone. And you may, it may be a distant memory or a blur to you, but it is not to God. It's time to put the go back in gospel for you. Amen? Holy Spirit, I'm asking a favor right now. Pull those dreams back to the surface. Pull it into their conscious minds. The things you planted, the things you put there, the things they couldn't hardly sleep over, the things that would disturb them and disrupt them. 
bring them back to the surface. I'm sorry, I just messed up a whole lot of people right there. <laughs> it's because he loves you so much. So much. Brian and Leslie Haley, another couple from our church. When I first moved there, Leslie was our Bible Land director. I was like, yay, we have a Bible Land director. And then two weeks later, she comes to me with her husband, who is a Spanish teacher at the high school of Fredericksburg, and sit down with me and say, uh, God's calling us to leave. I'm like, well, I just got here. You can't do that. That's not fair. There's a law somewhere. You can't do that. And they said, no, we feel called to the mission field. I sat down with them, and I did a very hard thing for them. I challenged them. I said, I don't know that I'm convinced. You haven't convinced me that the Lord's called you to the mission field. I don't know if you're sold out to it, if you're all in. And I challenged them. I said, go home, and for a week, I want you to pray about it, because right now, I don't believe that's your, the call in your life. That's pretty bold, isn't it? I'm not always that bold. I'm just saying. And I just met this young couple, and I adored them. But I felt the Lord leading me to call them up. You know what happened? That challenge was exactly what they needed so that their vision, their go in the gospel would get defined. And they came back like ready to fight. Like, we're in, we're going, God's in. I'm like, okay. We love them, we release them. They went down there and everything failed for the first year. It was a disaster. They were broke, they were barely making it. It was like... Everything was pointing to go back to Fredericksburg. And we were like, come back. We'll, we'll hire you right back. We loved you. Come on. And they were like, no, no. And you know what they did? They stuck with it. As of now, as of right now, three and a half years later, they're gaining traction. God's showing up. They're, Brian's preaching every week now in a church. Leslie is, is taking women in the community and teaching them life skills, parenting skills, teaching them the scripture. They're leading people to Jesus right and left. They're baptizing people right and left. Why? Because the go got in the gospel for them and they didn't give up on their God dream. So now we have a place in Torreon, Mexico. Now we have a, po a missionary point in Lisbon, Northern Ireland. God is putting the go in gospel for people. And then the last thing. As you go, you'll bear lasting fruit, John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go. To do what? Say it. Yeah. To go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? A few things. No thing. So I have to tell you one last story and we'll land the plane with this. Miss Charlene, when we moved to Fredericksburg, was 86 years of age. And she walked up to me all bent over, osteoporosis, with a cane and a very shaky hand. And she said, I can't wait to go home to see Papa. She was saying she's ready to die. That's the first words out of her mouth to me. So what's a young man from West Texas who respects his elders to do? I said, could I see your wrist? She said, excuse me? I said, could I see your wrist? I grabbed her wrist and I checked her pulse. I said, Miss Charlene, you have a pulse. She goes, yeah. I said, where there's a pulse, there's a purpose. And where there's still a pulse, there's a promise. I'll get emotional talking about this. 
I watched that precious lady who had one foot in the grave rise up to the challenge. Talk about the go in gospel. She just turned 90 years of age two weeks ago. And you know what she, uh, yeah, amen for that. She's, she's not home with Papa yet. She's still going. But not only that, she's got a mission. She grabbed hold of it and I've been challenging her and challenging her in love, in love, challenge in love, calling her up, not letting her sit, not letting her wait, not letting her coast. And she has risen to the occasion. She started a nursing home ministry in Fredericksburg that she does every week with passion. She shows up. She's grabbing people right and left and taking them. She's got people preaching, people singing, people ministering to them. And most of the residents are younger than her. <laughs> that is putting the go back into the gospel. So what about you? The harvest vision mandate for us is not an option. We've taken it. We've grabbed it. We're hanging on to it. And we're going to walk it out. Fredericksburg now... Even this summer in the summer slump, we've been over 400 in attendance every week all summer. We went to two services this last year. But better than the numbers is the presence of God. We're learning what it means to host his presence. And that in itself has been the treasure that we have found. But what about you, where you live, where you work, where you play, and where you're sitting right now? You're hearing all this. What about you putting in the go, putting the go in the gospel for you? Could you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? I'm going to go all Baptist on you right here. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up my friends and my Oak Hills family. My Oak Hills family. And Father, there are some here who've had dreams that they know were from you, but life has happened and those dreams have gotten buried. The power and impact of those have diminished. Father, I'm asking you to stir up those wells. Redig the old wells. Stir up their heart and their spirit to become believing believers who are on mission for you. Everywhere they work, everywhere they live, everywhere they play. And Father, I'm asking for this moment to be a moment that's defining for them. To stir it up. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen, amen and amen. We'll have prayer folks available afterwards. And I would love to talk to any of you who would like to pray about that. Can we thank Jimmy one more time? Thank you, my friend. We want to invite the rest of the leadership to come on up here. And here's what we want to do. We want to take a moment to pray over them as they put the go back in the gospel. And uh, we, we're so grateful for those of you at Fredericksburg as well who are listening. We, let's come on up here and we'll gather together. And this is our custom here, if you will, just extend a hand and we're going to pray over them. Father, we come before you right now thanking you for all that you have done, for all that you are doing, and for all that you are, all that you're going to do. And what are you going to do? You're going to do more than we could ask or imagine, that's for sure. 
And so, Father, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for Jimmy and Annette. I thank you for the strength that you have given them throughout this transition. For I pray that you will continue to give them strength. Father, I pray for this, this leadership that you would give them, uh, continue to give them wisdom. Uh, give them generous Give it generously. Give them the, the wisdom that they need to make the decisions that they need to be able to, to, to know how to best minister to Fredericksburg. And Father, we pray for Fredericksburg. We pray for those who are, are, are doubting, those who are, are seeking, they're, they're searching, they're hurting. Father, they don't even know that they're looking for you yet. But would you use this church to build a bridge back to you? Father, we thank you for that. I pray that you will increase, increase their capacity. Increase their capacity to, to give. Increase their capacity to reach and to teach. Increase their capacity to go. Father, we are thankful for them. And we pray that you will bless them. Many, many years from now, that this ministry will continue for generations to come, Father. I pray that you will increase their capacity to, to build leaders for the future, for the next generation. Father, you know. You've seen this. And you know. So, Father, we just, we submit ourselves to you and just thank you for blessing. Thank you for blessing this church. For your glory, for your name, it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And all those who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for all that He has done and all that He is going to do? Amen. You know, I find it very ironic, yet appropriate, that our last video simulcast had Jimmy on it. What a blessing.